My name's John Redmond from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and today on Peace by Believing, we're going to be thinking about spiritual struggles. Sometimes in life we do struggle. We may struggle with doubt or with fear or with depression or with anxiety or all manner of things we could be struggling with. And as we're going to see in today's message, struggles are not all bad. Sometimes God allows us to go through a struggle so that we can come out on the other side a lot stronger than we ever would have been had we not struggled in the first place. And so I pray this message will be a blessing to you today. In life, I think it's just human nature that we tend to choose the path of least resistance. In other words, whether it's in school and you have an assignment or in some other way, if we view something as a struggle, We tend to do anything we can to avoid that struggle and to make it easier for us. And I think that's just natural. We don't, I mean, nobody likes to struggle. One of Webster's definitions for the word struggle is a strenuous effort. And given the choice, we would rather not have to put in any more effort than we have to put in. I think that's true in our own lives, and I also think it's true when it comes to other people, you know, in our family or friends, people whom we love. We would almost do anything we can to prevent another person from struggling. And yet the fact is, sometimes a struggle can be good for us. Struggles are a part of life, and if we try to avoid every struggle, we're going to have trouble, and if we try to keep those we love out of some struggles, they're going to have trouble too. I remember years ago hearing about a man who was walking through the woods, and he came across a cocoon, a butterfly's cocoon. And he looked at that, and he knew that inside of the cocoon was was a butterfly in the process of developing. And so he decided to take that cocoon home with him and take it in his house and put it up on his dresser. And every day he was watching as he thought this might be the day that the butterfly emerges out of that cocoon. And this went on for several days, and not much happened. And then one day he noticed that when he woke up in the morning and walked over there to the cocoon, that the butterfly had tried its best to put a little hole in that cocoon so that it could come out. And the man kind of started feeling sorry for the butterfly. And so what he did was he took a pair of scissors and he cut a hole in the cocoon. And the butterfly came out. But when the butterfly came out, he had a swollen body. He had small shriveled up wings. And the butterfly was unable to fly. He never was able to fly. What that man didn't understand was when he went over there and cut a hole in the side of the cocoon, he was short-circuiting a process of struggle that God had devised that would ultimately enable and allow that butterfly to fly. The man didn't understand that when the butterfly was trapped in that cocoon, And having to push against the inner walls of that cocoon, that in the pushing process, fluids were being released from that butterfly's body into its wings. And when those fluids filled up the wings of that butterfly, then the butterfly would emerge, and then the butterfly could fly, and then the butterfly would be stronger than ever. But the man had short-circuited the process of struggle, and as a result, The butterfly was never able to fly. Now, the point I'm making today, and this whole sermon, I believe, is so simple, is simply this. Struggles 
are a part of life. Say that with me. Struggles are a part of life. And not only are they a part of life, they're a necessary part of life. And struggles can be good for us. And that is certainly true when it comes to spiritual struggles. Sometimes you'll see a person struggling with doubt or struggling with fear or struggling with some other, uh, maybe struggling with depression. There, there, there's a spiritual struggle that is going on in this person's life. And the scripture teaches us that sometimes these struggles are actually good because it is through the struggle that we learn some things that we need to learn. So if you'll open your Bibles today to Philippians chapter number 3, I think most of us here are familiar with the struggle that, that the Apostle Paul had in his life spiritually before he got saved, when his name was still Saul. He was a man who had grown up in Judaism, whose, whose genuine belief was that the way to be right with God, the way to be accepted by God was to keep all the Old Testament law, to obey everything that God had said. And not only that, when the move of Christianity started, Paul believed that in order to please God, he had to squelch this movement. He did not recognize Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And so he did everything he could to stop the spread of Christianity. And he thought that by doing that, he was making himself acceptable to God. And, of course, we know that one day Paul had an encounter with Christ on the Damascus Road, and Jesus appeared to him. And then Paul went on into Damascus, Syria. And after he had been there for a few days, a man named Ananias, a Christian, came and shared Christ with this with Paul, and Paul received Christ, and Paul was actually saved in Syria, and he was baptized there, and his life with Christ began right there. And as the years went by, and he began to grow in his faith, Paul, like the rest of us, just naturally looked back on that struggle. He looked back on all those years in his life when he thought that the way to be right with God, the way to please God, was by keeping all these laws and eating these foods and not eating these foods and observing these special days and never participating in these particular activities. And at the end of his struggle when he received Christ, he saw how futile that attempt had been. Look in Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 4. Paul said, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. And then he lists all these things he had done in Judaism. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee. That means he was the most dedicated of, of all Jews. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Now watch verse 9. And be found in Him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ." The righteousness which is from God by faith. And so in that verse, Paul talks about two different kinds of righteousness. He talks, first of all, about the righteousness 
that human beings try to establish for themselves. What do I mean by righteousness? That just means to be right with God. One thing today we all have in common, we all want to be right with God. When we die and when we stand before God, we want to be right with God. We want to be acceptable to God. We want God to open the doors of heaven and let us come in. And so everybody wants to be righteous, but there are two different types of righteousness. First of all, there is the righteousness that human beings try to make for themselves. And that's what Paul was saying in retrospect when he looked back on his pre-conversion life, on his life before he became a Christian. And he said, what I was really trying to do, I was trying to create my own righteousness. And I was doing everything right. In fact, he said, when it came to the Jewish law, he was blameless. He had done everything that the law required him to do. And yet Paul knew in his heart something was missing. Something wasn't right. And he could never, ever be good enough until he received Christ Jesus. The second righteousness is what's called in the Scripture, God's righteousness. God's righteousness, that means God has devised a way to make us right with God, and it doesn't require that we do anything. It is a gift from God, and His righteousness, His gift, is wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. And so, when a person places his faith or her faith in Christ, That person is made right in God's eyes. We have what is called God's righteousness. I'll show you. Go back to Romans chapter 10. I'll show you a couple of other places where we read about uh, God's righteousness. Romans chapter 10. There are probably some here today who maybe are like Paul and you want to be right with God. You would do anything to be right with God. But if you think about it, you are trying to establish your own righteousness through keeping the law, through coming to church, through doing good deeds, through praying, through lots of different ways. And in Romans chapter 10, Paul talks about the Jewish people of his day. And he could identify with them because he was, he had, he was a Jew. And at, before he got saved, he, he had done the same thing. And Paul said this. He said, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Now watch verse 3. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness. They don't understand that God has devised his own righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And so Paul was saying, my Jewish brothers and sisters here in Israel are doing the same thing that I did before my experience on the Damascus Road, before I was saved. They are ignorant of God's righteousness and they are trying to make themselves acceptable to God. They are trying to create their own righteousness so that in their minds one day when they stand before God and God says to them, why should I let you into heaven? They can say, God, because of how devout I have been, because of how I have kept all these Old Testament laws and all these rituals, and God, because I have observed the Sabbath day, and because, God, I've been careful to always tithe my income, and because, God, I've never broken one of the Ten Commandments, which is a lie. We've 
all broken the tenth. And that's the problem with trying to establish your own righteousness. At the end of the day, you know deep down that you could never be good enough to make yourself acceptable to God. And yet that's what Paul had done. That's why when Paul was going from Jerusalem to Damascus, Syria, on the Damascus road, Jesus appeared to him and Jesus said to Paul, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. What did he mean by that? A goad was a stick that they used when they were prodding animal. you know, goats or some other animal. And it was a stick that had sharp points on the end. And so they would goad those animals to get the animals to move. And Paul and Jesus said to Paul, Paul, what you're doing, you're kicking against the goads. In other words, Jesus was saying, Paul, even though you are doing everything you know to do, to create your own righteousness, to make yourself acceptable in my sight. You're kicking against the goads. In other words, you're having an inner struggle because deep down you know that you're not doing everything perfectly. You could never be good enough. You've not kept the Ten Commandments. You've broken the law. And Paul knew that. And so what I'm saying is the struggle that sometimes a person goes through to make himself acceptable to God is a good thing because there comes a point in the struggle where you discover I could never be good enough. I could never make myself acceptable to God. There's not anything that I could do that would make God accept me. And I go back to Romans chapter 1 because after Paul had made this discovery, after he had received Christ, and after he had put his faith in God's righteousness, not his own righteousness, in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, Paul says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the gospel of Christ, For it is the power of God for salvation uh, for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Now look in verse 17. For in it, that is in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel means the good news of Jesus Christ. In other words, the good news is you don't have to make yourself acceptable to God. You can't do it anyway, but God's not expecting you to, because look in verse 17. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so he's saying in the gospel, in the preaching of the gospel, the good news of the New Testament is that God has devised a completely different kind of righteousness than your righteousness. It is, in fact, it is called God's righteousness. And it is Jesus Christ who has died on the cross to pay for our sins. The only perfect person who ever lived was Jesus. And so our perfection is in Jesus. Our perfection is never in us. I could never be perfect. I am not perfect. You are not perfect. And so we could never do anything to clothe ourselves in our own righteousness that God would accept, because if you think about what it says in the Old Testament, it says our righteousness is like filthy rags to God. And so even at our best, our righteousness does not come anywhere near what God is expecting. What God is expecting is the perfect life we find in Jesus Christ. And so when a person is saved, what do they do? That person puts his or her faith in the person of Jesus Christ. The person who has been struggling and trying to make himself acceptable to God or trying to make herself good enough so that God would let her into heaven. Finally, at the end of that struggle, that person 
person has like a eureka moment and that person says, I could never make myself acceptable to God. I've tried everything I could do. I'm totally convinced I could never do enough. And in utter desperation, that person cast himself on the mercy of God and says to God, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I could never do it. I ask Christ to save me. By faith, I receive him. And in that moment, that person receives the righteousness of God, that person receives Jesus Christ and that person is saved in God's sight so that when that person dies and one day stands before God, if God should say to that person, why should I let you into heaven? That person could then say to God, only because of Jesus, not because of me, not because I never missed a Sunday in church or I never missed a Sunday school class or not because of anything, only because of Jesus Christ. Our faith is in Him. He is our righteousness. You believe all that? Say amen. Now what I want to do in this message is I want to make four statements about struggling. Because I would imagine there are people here today, sincere people. Paul was sincere before he got saved. Devout people. Genuine people, earnest people who want more than anything to be right with God. And you are doing, you have done, and you would do anything within your power to make yourself right with God. And yet you're getting to the point in this struggle where it's kind of like you're saying, now wait a second, I can't do anymore. I can't pray anymore. There's not anything I can do. And so this struggle is actually a good thing if you'll think how I'm kind of the perspective I'm showing on it. Now, these four thoughts. Number one, struggles lead to searches. When a person is struggling with something, struggling to have peace, struggling to be right with God, that struggle will lead you to a search, to a quest for truth. That's the first statement. Struggles lead lead to searches. Number two, searches lead to discoveries. When a person goes on a search or on a quest for truth and knowledge, out there somewhere, you will find truth. You will will discover what you're looking for. I think of a verse in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 13. God is speaking and God said, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. What does that mean? God is saying, when you go on this search for truth, you want more than anything in your life to be right with God. I mean, who doesn't want that? That should be the most important thing in all of our lives, to be right with God, to be acceptable in God's eyes, to be on the right side with God. Who doesn't want that? And God says, as you begin to search for how you can be right with me, if you'll keep searching, if you'll keep struggling, if you'll keep reading, if you'll keep pursuing the truth, there will come a day out there when you will find it. Because you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. It's a, it's a principle of Scripture that seekers always find. So searches lead to discoveries. The third thing is, the third statement, discoveries lead to freedom. This is what happened in Paul's life. He had struggled to be right with God. And then he went on a search for how to be right with God. And finally he discovered there was a whole different kind of righteousness that he didn't know anything about. It was God's righteousness. He didn't have to make himself right with God. God had made it possible to be right with him through the person of Jesus Christ. The life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. That is God's righteousness. And Paul had struggled and he had searched and he came to this discovery and he's like, aha, I found it. 
it's not me. It's not my religion. It's not my sincerity. It's not my prayer life. It's not my keeping the law. It is the person of Jesus Christ. I could never be good enough. Christ is good enough. I take Christ. I trust Christ. I claim Him by faith as my righteousness. And I'm depending on Jesus to make me right with God. And so when Paul had made that discovery, his life changed. And he went from living a life of bondage and a life of futility, and a life of misery, and where he was kicking against the goads, and he had this inner struggle. He had no peace in his heart, and his conscience was always convicting him. Now he is living a life, and for the rest of his days, a life of freedom, a life of peace, a life of joy, a life of assurance. And it didn't matter what Paul was going through. He always had all those things in his life. Why? Because he was trusting Christ. Everything he had tried to create in himself, he found in the person of Jesus Christ. So discoveries lead to freedom. And then the fourth statement is this. Freedom leads us to realize the very purpose for which we were created. That's a long way to say that, but let me, let me say that again. Freedom, when a person has discovered that Jesus Christ is the answer to my search, he is the, he's what I've, been, what, what I've been trying to do for myself and could never do, Christ has already done. And so I trust him, and now I'm free, and now I'm accepted in God's eyes. When a person makes that discovery, then he begins to discover for the very first time the very purpose for which he was created. And see, after Paul made that discovery, after he received Christ, not only did it give him peace and joy and assurance and all those wonderful things, but it changed the trajectory of his life. And Paul, as a result of that discovery, devoted the rest of his life to sharing with others how they could receive Christ and saying to them, hey, what you are doing in trying to create your own righteousness, I did for many years. And at the end of that, when I just figured out there's nothing, I could, nothing else I could do, Christ revealed himself to me. And I saw in Jesus what I was trying to create in myself. I saw perfection. I saw sinlessness. I saw the very righteousness of God. And so I transferred my faith from me to Jesus. And when I did that, my life was changed. And that's why Paul became a preacher. And that's why Paul shared Christ with everybody, because his life now had purpose. You know, if you have made a discovery, if, for example, you've found a new restaurant, and it was just, man, that was a great meal. What do you do? You just naturally call your family and call your family. You got to go to this place. They got the best food, best prices, great service. You tell them, or you buy a car. You say, man, I've had the best experience buying a car, or whatever it might be. When you discover something, you just naturally tell everybody else that you can about that. Well, it's the same with Christ. When a person discovers Christ and finds in Christ everything he's been trying to create for himself, that person just naturally wants to tell as many people as they possibly can about Jesus Christ. See, st struggles are not bad. Just like that butterfly in that cocoon was getting stronger by struggling, some of you here today who are struggling to be right with God, struggling to make yourself acceptable to God, that struggle's not all bad because you're going to come to a place out there where you say, you know what, I can't do anymore. I can't pray anymore. I can't, I, I can't there's not anything else I can do. And you're going to come to the end of yourselves and you're going to discover the person of Jesus Christ. Struggles lead to searches. Searches lead to discoveries. Discoveries lead to freedom. And freedom helps us to discover what our purpose of existence is in the first place. 
Maybe you've been struggling to find peace with God. You've done everything you know to do to be acceptable in God's sight, and yet deep down in your heart, you know something's missing. You know something's not quite right. And maybe today, hopefully today, it has become clear to you that there's not anything in this world that you can do to make yourself right with God. God has done that for you. He's done that for me already by giving His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross to pay for our sins. It is the righteousness of God that we trust, not our own righteousness. And so if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to do that today. Just tell Jesus you trust Him to forgive you and to save you, and you're no longer trusting yourself. I want to thank you today for listening to Peace by Believing. I hope this program has been a blessing to you. I hope you'll have a great day, and I hope you'll be with us next time.